to Radio DePaul Sports. The student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. This is Sports You've Never Heard Of. I'm Jacob Ellis. And I'm Trenton Sito. Jacob, it has been a while since we were last doing this podcast. I know, we're coming back after winter break, sort of. Not really for me, but yeah, definitely for you. <laughs> and then, Did you enjoy your sort of winter break? I mean, I did. I did, did some of my hobbies. I explored some secret tunnels. I, uh, <laughs> Christmas is fun. I should, oh. yeah. I found some great secret tunnels, but I've already talked about secret tunnels enough. The problem with secret tunnels is you never know how illegal the tunnel is you're going into. Oh, no. Because, like, a lot of times I'm like, actually, anyone could go into this and be totally fine. Sometimes you're like, eh, that sign technically said no trespassing. But if I looked at a certain angle, I didn't see it. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thin- I try to never go to places where it's like I really have to be like, like if it's a fence or barbed wire, I'm not trying or I'm not actually. <laughs> if it's a big sign, I'm not passing by. But, you know, yeah, it's, sometimes it's, it's not clear if it's against the law or not. But speaking of uh, things that are against the law, I mean, what was this Australian fugitive dude? Oh, yes. This was an article posted um, by the Associated Press this year, uh, January 6th, which is not too long ago from the airing date of this episode, in which a naked fugitive was rescued from a crocodile-infested mangrove by fishermen. So two fishermen basically go into a Australian crocodile habitat, and they're they're setting up crab traps. When they find this man who is covered in mud, cuts, and insect bites, who's explained that he's been lost for four days, survived by eating snails, and had used his clothes for various other purposes, and now he's naked. <laughs> Uh, and these two fishermen brought him onto his boat and they brought him to a hospital and was placed under police guard because he was free on bail. He was charged with armed robbery and multiple aggravated assaults and stealing, but he had cut off his electronic monitoring device and attempted to evade police, which is how he ended up hiding from crocodiles. So my first question is, I feel like if I'm going to be in this survival situation, I pretty much stop at the underwear for using it for things. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to die with some decency. I mean, this guy didn't end up dying, but still. And wait, he survived only on snails, you said? Yeah. Um, There's I'm nothing. Not... I mean, I guess half the animals in Australia are, are, ven- are poisonous or have venom. So, like, I guess maybe if snails are the only thing you're like, this is safe. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to eat the crocodiles when you're hiding from them. <laughs> no, and then everything, like, just the spiders are going to get you, all of the other stuff, koala yeah. bears. Every, everything I mean, wants to koala eat Koala bears got those things. You know that koala bears, the reason they're so, like, slow-moving and stuff is because they only eat a eucalyptus tree leaves, and those are so low-energy food source. So they evolved to be worse at surviving. <laughs> because they chose a food source that gives you less energy so you can't be as energetic as others aren't those leaves poisonous to like everybody that's the problem everything is the poisonous, except for them 
That's the problem is they're not really good, but their stomach has developed where they can eat it, but it causes it to be really slow moving and low energy. <laughs> nice. Also, it's something like over 70% of all koala, koalas have chlamydia, which is like the weirdest statistic <laughs> that I remember <laughs> off the top of my head. Our, our listeners are learning things that they did not expect to learn and probably did not want did to Did not learn. want to, no. <laughs> but like, this is just a dumb guy. We got to talk about like successful, crazy wackadoo crimes. Like, have okay. you heard of the great fajita heist? Does it involve literal fajitas or like, is it a metaphor for for? No, it's actual else? fajitas. Oh, okay. Back in 2018, they caught this guy who was in charge of, like, the food delivery system for the Texas uh, penal system, so the prison system. And he had successfully, over the past nine years, stolen $1.1 million worth of fajitas. Now, I know what you're thinking. How do you do this? So what he would do, because he was controlling the system, he would have a shipment come in, he would intercept the shipment, take the fajitas for himself, and originally, it was just because he wanted some free fajitas, but then he started selling it on what must be a ginormous Texas fajita black market that has to exist for some reason. And then and then the only reason he got caught is because one day the, the delivery driver came to the prison and was like, here's your fajita delivery, and the guy was sick, so his replacement was like, we didn't order fajitas, and the delivery driver was like, I've been delivering fajitas here for the past nine years. And he's got <laughs> charged with 50 years in prison for because of the weird laws in Texas, where if you have a theft over $200,000, you can't be charged with a normal theft. It's a special degree. So he has 50 years for stealing these fajitas. <laughs> That's uh... And then what I don't get is fajitas are... You- what it is, is it's basically a taco, but it's with sizzling food, you know, like sizzling steak or shrimp or something. Okay. How do you deliver fajitas? It's like frozen fajitas. Is it the food that's going to be fajitas? Or is it already like prepackaged, like almost like a taco? And then why is it considered a fajita and not a taco? <laughs> it's a... Uh... And then another thing, (laughs) how come in Texas, where they're right across the border and they have great Mexican food, why are they eating this low-quality Mexican food? Because we know prisons don't have the highest-quality food. Their fajitas must be really bad that they make for prisons. Who's buying these black-market fajitas (laughs) that are low-quality and not really fajitas? I mean, if you want to add to the the questions about this this scheme how did how did he make it nine years without ever getting sick like ever getting sick off the fajitas not sick off of fajitas but like sick and having to to not show up to his job he, he must have had maybe the fajitas were actually like i don't know very good for your health and that was still magical fajitas and he stored them as medical fajitas fajitas of youth <laughs> yeah maybe Okay, but the greatest heist involving food ever has to be the great Canadian maple syrup heist. Is this another metaphor or is this another actual? None of them are metaphors. Okay. Only literal at this point in life. (laughs) So with this heist, it's, and so in Quebec, 
how their system of maple they made it in the 60s they made it so all maple syrup growers are combined into like sort of one uniform company so they make sure that the market price is always the same they've been doing this since the 60s but because of that they have giant storage places where they have all of this maple syrup and a smart ragtag group of canadians came up with the idea of let's steal this maple syrup and if you don't this isn't like mrs buttersworth this isn't aunt jemima this is high quality canadian maple syrup you know how much that stuff goes for no i don't either because i don't <laughs> buy that but they were able to steal three thousand tons of maple syrup which is valued at 18.7 million dollars and they only got caught because they like went on when there were people went to the facility and they went on they actually stepped on the barrels they like almost fell in because they realized this doesn't isn't super heavy this is completely empty <laughs> <laughs> and then what must be the same weird black market for cheaper food there was a black market for maple syrup i guess i i guess so but you know what else is a crime trenton yes no that our listeners may have not heard of this next sport so this week we're going to look at diablo which is a juggling game also known as chinese yo-yo because it was invented in China and it's similar to yo-yo, but it's sort of this prop toy thing that <laughs> consists of sort of a ginormous or could be pretty much the same size yo-yo type thing on an axle with two cups on each side. So it looks sort of hourglass shaped. And then that is spun using basically what looks like drumsticks that have string attached to it. And that ends up looking like a big jump rope. Now I ask you, does this sound right? Because what you listeners don't know, or you do know, because you might have met Trenton before, is that Trenton does this. Yes. Uh, I must say, Jacob, this explanation that you used for it is uh, very, very accurate. <laughs> I cannot think of a better way to describe it. As I use the official dictionary definition. Ooh, I see. Fancy. <laughs> more, la- more like lazy, but yeah. All right. Uh, should we get into the origins of it then? Okay, so I'm going to go into the origins so Lado Trenton can focus on the strategy and all that because he actually does it. So it comes from the Chinese yo-yo, which even though it's sometimes called the Chinese yo-yo, technically traditional Chinese yo-yo is slightly different, and we'll explain why. But it's mentioned as early as the late Ming Dynasty, which is somewhere between 1572 and 1620, where it's referred to in Chinese as ale bells. And the difference between it and a traditional Chinese yo-yo is a traditional Chinese yo-yo is, has a longer axle, and instead of cups at the end, it's a disc. But eventually, it was introduced to the Western world by Jesuit missionaries. Hey, like DePaul, Jesuit. It's DePaul <laughs> Jesuit. It's Catholic. Whatever. Oh, it's Catholic. <laughs> what those? They're eh, similar in some way. But anyway, Jesuit missionaries who traveled to China 
in the late 18th century. And then when they brought it to Europe, it sort of went up and down in popularity. It would be a f- occasional fad every now and then. Uh, but it did have problems where people consider it dangerous with people accidentally getting hit by him. And for a short time, it was outlawed in the streets of Paris. So uh, I definitely can relate. It's uh, definitely dangerous, I think, to both yourself, especially when you're starting to learn. But uh, continuing on with the origins, a French engineer by the name of Gustave? Gustave? Gustave Philippot? Yes, (laughs) there we go. Uh, Say it with confidence and you're never wrong. (laughs) All right, Jacob. Um, He created the modern Diablo in the early 20th century, and he came up with the name. And funny enough, he claimed that it was his own invention, uh, even though it had been around for far longer than that, especially since they originally brought it back from China, and it was showcased during various cultural uh, exchange festivals. But uh, some believe the name comes from the term Diablo, which means devil in Italian or Spanish, which links it to its old name as, quote, the devil on two sticks. However, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't confuse it with the devil stick, which is a different thing, which is has the same idea of you use strings to control but it's actually like a straight horizontal stick that you go, or vertical stick that you go up and down with. And you may see them at like circuses, people doing it. Kind of weird. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, its name could also come from Greek, which Diab- Diabilo or Diabolo, I don't know how you say that in Greek, <laughs> means to a cross throw in Greek, which is something you kind of do with Diabolo. So I don't know. It could be Greek. It could be from Italian or Spanish. It wasn't invented in any of those countries. So (laughs) why does it matter? Who knows? Uh, The patent for it was bought by Charlie Parker in the U.S., who is the owner of Parker Brothers. And the popularity in the U.S., fell due to its extreme short-term popularity it had a lot of cheap knockoffs that kind of ruined its reputation and caused parker brothers to stop selling it and yeah it was one of the only toys that the parker brothers ever completely gave up on when they pretty much were willing to sell anything but (laughs) it's sort of interesting how it was really popular but then they sort of overdid the popularity and there was a bunch of knockoffs and it reminds me, and then everyone start, started hating it, which reminds me of both fidget spinners, how those were huge oh, for like a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then like, because you real, they had an actual purpose for people with ADHD sometimes need something to like fidget with. So that's what the reason that fidget spinners existed. But then it just became this weird thing that just blew up too much. And then also like, remember hoverboards, how... People were like obsessed with the not real hoverboards, but then hoverboards, what really should just be called a poorless Segway. And then there was all these like knockoffs that came to exist that would just blow up and they, they started getting banned on airplanes because they were too known to like just blow up. 
shall we go on to the rules yeah and i'm gonna let you do this and i'm just gonna listen because <laughs> i don't know all right so um there are competitions for this uh various tournaments competitions mainly in european countries and also in the asian countries uh japan china i believe south korea also has some i'm not entirely sure but uh there were those those national competitions i don't think there's anything internationally though um i found that the wood yo-yo championships which yes they have like giant yo-yo championships <laughs> it has a class for diabolo but it doesn't like they don't usually um count that as an actual part of it so it's usually it would just be something like if you would there there were some extra competitors who did that yeah so um myself personally i never did any competitions or anything i just did it uh, sort of as an extracurricular at my chinese school uh, which is where i learned it um, and also taught it to uh, other students but yeah the the ones who do compete in the asian countries and the the european countries are definitely very very good and spend probably most of their life perfecting it uh let's go into the different styles of it so first you have the the single diablo where you're just doing it by itself you know two two sticks one string and one yo-yo and there's a lot of various tricks you can do with that so kind of simple basic stuff and then you can go into the multiple yo-yos where you're not just using one yo-yo anymore now you have maybe two of them that are going in sort of a shuffle so you're basically it's like juggling you know how when you yeah. juggle balls or beanbags or whatnot uh instead of doing that with your hands you're juggling it on a on a string so two yo-yos three yo-yos four yo-yos five yo-yos six yo-yos i'm not sure if anybody's how ever, long are we going to go with this i don't think anybody's ever done more than six or seven just because of how how much time you need to have it how many have you done air. me most yeah. i've ever done is two. <laughs> oh wow underachieving yeah right <laughs> You're, you're, you're really exposing me on this podcast now, Jacob. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I don't have any skill like this, so, you know, why not just underappreciate other people's talents? This is, <laughs> that's what this show is all about. <laughs> that should be placed in the description. Um, hey, I can roll a wheel of cheese, too, if I had a wheel of cheese to roll. <laughs> You'd also need a hill. There's a hill somewhere. You don't. I don't need to own a hill. I just find a hill. <laughs> rent a hill. <laughs> Can I rent your hill? Get off my property. <laughs> Crazy. Um. So besides multiple yo-yos, there's also something called vertex, and that is where usually you're you're using the yo-yo horizontally. So yeah, the, if we make the example that it's the hourglass shape. Right. Normally, it would actually be like an hourglass on its side with how you use it, but this is turning it so it actually is like an hourglass. Yeah. 
that's uh that's a much better <laughs> that's a much better description than I was going for. I had no idea how to explain that. Um, and vertex basically is swinging it around your head or around your body vertically, around your arms, around your legs, uh, jumping over it. It's it is much more intense. Does sound intense. Also much more dangerous because then you're you're more likely to hit yourself or other people with that. But that's uh that's why you practice in private and hope you don't die. <laughs> uh, moving on, there is contact Diablo, which is basically you're not spinning the yo-yo as much. It's much slower so that you're not burning yourself when you're touching the yo-yo. And that is basically using your arms, your legs. So are you like sort of hitting it off like how you would with a soccer ball to keep you up you or are you like trying to spin it off you? So okay. kind of like how when you running a basketball over your arm or like around Oh, like back, how when the Holland that... Globe Globetrotters do those tricks where they go mm -hmm. like woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're doing can that you with spin, Can you spin one off your Finkel like they can do? You know how they can spin a basketball? Can you do that with one of these? In a way, yes, you can. You can hold it like with your fingers. There is also Loop Diablo, which is instead of using a string that's attached to two sticks, you get rid of the sticks and instead you have the strings wrapped around your hands. <laughs> uh, and you're just, you're basically doing the same thing, but without sticks, uh, right. which is actually very dangerous for your hands now that I think about it in the. Experience. Well, yeah, because you can get like rope bone. Well, not just that. Uh, there's a certain type of Diablo where the middle doesn't spin. Let's go over the some of the different yo-yos and Diablos here. There's the traditional Chinese yo-yo, which has, like you said before, a longer axle. And instead of cups at the ends, it's discs. And usually these discs are hollow and they have like slits cut into the sides so that when it's spinning really fast, it makes sort of like a howling or a whistling noise. And it can get very loud. Um, the middle axle doesn't spin separately from the rest of the yo-yo, which generally means that when you're uh, doing loops of the string on the yo-yo, sometimes the yo-yo might catch on that string and wrap up. And you know how a regular yo-yo the string is connected to the string. Or no, the yo-yo is string is connected to the string. <laughs> no, no, no. The yo-yo is connected to the string, right? Yeah. So that when you send the yo-yo down, it automatically comes back up. Yeah. And you know, the, the string wraps around the center axle. Generally, that's not supposed to happen with the Diablo or Chinese yo-yo. But many <laughs> It will get caught on the string. It will roll up on the string into the stick. and So we're still on the traditional Chinese yo-yo. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it'll roll up on the string, hit the stick, and also hit your hand if it's close to it. And basically those hollow slits that are cut into the discs will slice your hand, which is not oh, great. And also, generally, if it's spinning really fast and it rolls up like that, it will also snap the string off the stick. 
<laughs> so it makes sense why this was banned in the city of Paris for a while. Yes, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay, um, but then we advance. We advance to this Gustave guy, and he makes the yes, regular. He makes the more modern Diablo, which is now more like plastic slash rubbery cups at the end, which of course is much safer than plastic discs with slits cut in them. Yeah, but okay, so there's three different kinds of that, you say? Uh, yes. So the first kind is similar to the Chinese yo-yo, in which the middle doesn't spin separately. It's connected to the axle. Uh, the second kind is where the middle axle that touches the string is now bearings on it. So yeah. it spins separately, and there's not as much friction on the string because the middle spins with the string separately from the two cups. Uh, and the third one is the monobolo, in which where there used to be two cups on the end, one axle in the middle, now there's an axle in the middle, a cup on one end, and sort of like a weight on the other end. That's and kind the of, weight, yeah, the weight like sort of looks, it looks sort of like a dreidel with how it's pointed. Yeah, like like the end of a, a top. So, um, and that's basically... Which one do you have? Uh, I have, well, I have two, I believe, traditional Chinese yo-yos that were my first yo-yos, which honestly are not, those are not beginner <laughs> choices. <laughs> um, nope. And I have several of the, the bearing Diablos. Okay. And several of the other Diablos where the middle doesn't spin. So more like the traditional Chinese yo-yo, but more modern. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a lot of different tricks that you can do. Uh, generally for Vertex, like I said before, it's, it's spinning it around your body, wrapping it around your body parts, and then unwrapping it, uh, you know, jumping over it. Uh, for multiple yo-yos, it's generally just having them in a shuffle where you're basically just juggling them, you know, tossing them each in succession and they keep going around and around and around. Uh, and for only single yo-yos, that's where there's a, there's a lot of different tricks uh, where you could have it going around your arm, you could have it going around your leg, uh, you can throw it, you know, up and down. You can also make a, a loop with the string and basically create an elevator where, you know, it almost looks like the yo-yo is magically going up and down. Um, so yeah, there's, there are far too many, too many tricks that, than I can go through in this episode. So just, if you're, if you're interested, then look it up on YouTube and you'll find some, some very interesting yeah. things. So Trenton has been doing this for a long time. He randomly, back when we were actually in person, he randomly, none of us at the station knew he did it. Other people I knew knew he did it because they knew him as the guy who was at DePaul's quad doing tricks with this thing. I, I talked to someone and they were like, oh, that guy? But anyway, at the station, he randomly brought it out one day and he was just sort of fiddling, but not doing anything. We're like, what is that? And he's like, 
I got, it's like a yo-yo type thing. And we're like, what can you do? And he's like, let me show you. And then he did like this amazing flips and stuff with it. And literally, I think it was Rudy was there. I literally looked over and Rudy just went from like calm to just like shock in like a (laughs) second because he was so shocked at what you could do with it. And it just, it got the attention of everyone, including the people who were recording the show at the time (laughs) were looking out like, what the hell is he doing? That was a that was an interesting day, um, and then all of you, all of you uh, got to try it out and and attempt yeah, it. It was fun. What what was your uh, opinion of it when you were trying to do it? I couldn't do it because you kept being like, "You got just balance." I was like, "What the heck is this?" Because <laughs> I know people could do like the toss. I really couldn't do the toss. I could only get to the balance level. So, yeah, um, I. I do want to say though, when I was first learning this uh, at my Chinese school as an extracurricular, um, in like the middle of elementary school or something, so I was quite young. So uh, would this be like you just did it at recess, or is like this is extracurricular time? It was extracurricular. It was a it was a Sunday school, so we only oh, met okay. on Sundays, and we only did it this particular club or extracurricular for an hour every Sunday. And so generally beginners would take at least like a month or two months because that's what four or four to eight sessions of it, one hour each, just to learn how to roll the yo-yo on the ground, pick it up and like start, just just start it spinning. Um, So yeah, it was incredibly difficult. (laughs) Okay, so we get two records. Uh, we wrote, We don't really have stats because it's all like, I don't know what stats you would do, but we do have the records for the like sort of longest time doing it, that sort of thing. Uh, so these records are taken basically from a, a Juggo wiki site. Uh, we have no idea how... <laughs> so wiki for everything there's a subreddit for everything wiki is where you get like i don't know the facts and like the lore behind everything and subreddit is where everybody fights over it and that's how it works that's a very interesting explanation <laughs> we'll roll with that so basically this site has uh supposed records of diabling and Oh, did I? I don't know if I just created a new word. Diaboling. Diabolo. Diaboloing. I think. Ox, Oxford Dictionary. Call them up. <laughs> um, so they have videos, supposedly, that verify some of these claims. But why don't we go first with high tossing, which is basically where you're launching it up into the air. So the record for doing three Diablos uh, high tossing is 30 minutes by a a Jose Concha in 2020. What do you know? Somebody spent their 2020 doing something productive. That makes sense. They're them. bored at home and they're like, I'm going to do this for 30 minutes. Yeah, and there's social distancing because nobody wants to die by Diablo airmail. <laughs> nope. Um, the record for four Diablos is 8 minutes and 59 seconds by the same guy in 2019 which is quite a shame that it's eight minutes and 59 seconds couldn't 
couldn't make the one extra second, sadly. He couldn't lie and say it was that, but no. <laughs> the video proves it. Um, the record for five Diablos is 122 catches by a Guillaume Capri. Capri Corris. Okay. Yes. Say it with confidence and you're never <laughs> wrong. Uh, in 2018, and the same person set the record for six Diablos with 14 catches in also 2018. So that's just with the high tosses in which they're launching it up into the air, which gives them a lot more time to catch the next one that's coming down. Uh, for low tossing, which is keeping it below head level at all times, uh, the record for three Diablos is one hour, five minutes, and 48 seconds by a Damien Kubitsky in 2020. Uh, four Diablos is eight minutes and 24 seconds by Ronnie Slowinski in 2020. Five Diablos is 106 catches by the same person, Ronnie Slowinski in 2018. And six Diablos with 19 catches by Penzen in 2018. What if all of these guys are just the same crew and we're just reading their own? They created the sub, the I mean, the wiki for juggling. <laughs> And they're, we're just falling into their trap. <laughs> uh, that could be it, too. Um, we, we it is verified by video, so. Yeah. Um, Did I watch the whole hour, five minutes, and 48 seconds? To make sure no, that I it did is not. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody probably had to, though. Probably. They spent uh, an hour, five minutes, and 48 seconds just just sitting there and being mesmerized by the constant shuffling of yo-yos. So I think Shasta mentioned it, it's used a lot in like performances at circuses and shows. Uh, Cirque du Soleil, which is that weird aerobatic thing in Las Vegas. Uh, they do it, use it in a lot of their shows. It's also really common performance at Chinese New Year at Chinese schools. I have many videos of me doing this at Chinese New Year performances at my Chinese school. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I wonder what year it's going to be. You know how it's year of an animal? Oh, yeah. What is it going to be? I got to look that up. Year of year of the ox. Do you know any oxes in your life? My brother is an ox. Oh, nice. So, controversy. This sport makes me look bad because Trent can do it so well, and I can't. That's it's, the only controversy. Uh... <laughs> also, it, people died with the Chinese yo-yo in yes. Paris. Mm -hmm. They banned it. So I guess yes. that's controversy. I don't think this is much of a problem with these plastic ones, but still. It's it's certainly still dangerous. It can still. Not as dangerous as <laughs> ferret legging, though. <laughs> that's uh, That's also true. Just anytime we talk about danger associated with sport, like, is it as dangerous as putting a ferret one inch away from your manhood? No. <laughs> ferret legging was quite an interesting episode from our first season, which will be posted on a throwback Thursday or some other such event at some point. That was a shameless plug, Trenton. <laughs> it's our own show. We can plug whatever we want. It was still shameless. Of course, I don't know any other kind of plug. How about a electrical plug? 
No. Okay, let's move on from that terrible pun. So, final decision. Is it a sport? This is where I get my revenge. I say the thing Trenton spends all of his time doing is not a sport. No, I don't like... It's weird because it's not doesn't have an official competition. It has competitions, but they're not really, they're like, how do I compare this to like, say, um, we mentioned circus and we mentioned like the aerobatics thing. How do you compare it to that sort of an aerobatics thing at a circus? Would that be considered a, sh- a sport or more of an, a performance? Because this can sometimes be closer to a performance than it is a sport. Yeah, um, I, I think it's, definitely a performance for sure but i feel like when looking at whether or not it's a sport um wasn't it recently that uh competitive breakdancing was added as a official olympic sport it was which that's a really good point like if competitive breakdancing is considered a sport then pretty much you can make the argument that pretty much any one of these sort of borderline physical performance things can be a sport because i already think with like um in the olympics in the winter olympics they had that version of ice skating where it's basically dancing or doing the ice skating so that one was already like sort of borderline it was just the fact that it was on ice that makes it a sport and they they get judged for how good they not for exactly technical but actually just how much the judges liked it so that's the same sort of thing yeah um so i'm I'm not entirely sure how they score competitive breakdancing. Just like I don't know um, how you would either. Damn, yeah. he's bung on his head <laughs> so many times. That's um, gonna be great to watch. Yeah. Uh, although I guess you could also think, you know, how do they score Olympic diving? Right. Like the, oh, like the, the flips um, and such. It's all it's the all synchronized. Sort of, mm-hmm. the synchronized diving. Yeah, right. that's tough. It, it's all based on whatever the the judges think. You know, it's not like time based or anything. So, well, that's the thing. This would be judged somewhere in between those, and then sort of like a American Idol type deal, mm-hmm. where it's like you got it, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's somewhat opinionated, but you can also sometimes tell when someone is much better than the idol. Right. So, you know, just just going off of that and like the the conversation we just had about different activities and you know performances that are more more physical i would say now i think it's a sport i would too i still think like if you're doing it for purely performative thing Mm -hmm. i don't know right it's also again like we would consider if you saw a kid doing it you would say that's a game because we Mm -hmm. also got to go in that other direction because it is considered is technically a toy Right. Is how you would describe the what it actually is. So then it's also toy is so it's used for game, game, sport, performance. So right. it can go in it both ways. And I kind right. of think that way it's surrounding sport. And sometimes it gets in, sometimes it doesn't, depending on how it's being done. But I say generally it is a sport. Yeah. All right. I think for that's the second uh... one, would you play? <laughs> No. You know, Jacob, I don't think so. This doesn't seem like something I would be interested in. <laughs> I would never spend my time doing this. I would never risk the health of my fingers and and uh, spend so many hours of 
the day working on this. I mean, yeah, this is something anyone could like take up as like a mm-hmm. hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Send me one of those and I'll do it. I'm like, woo. I probably won't be good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob is looking for a Diablo sponsorship. Please send him things. <laughs> oh, what if we did get sponsorship? What if we got sponsorships from sports you've never heard of wanting to be heard of? Oh. That's a way for us to get money. <laughs> and as you know, we're always after money. That, that sounds like a line out of a investing podcast or something. That's <laughs> Why don't we become an investing podcast and we start giving bad advice to invest? <laughs> we'll let people tell us what we should tell people to invest in. Oh, wait, I think it's a federal crime. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I think if we get into the point of insider trading, it somewhat becomes that. But those people, because they're so rich, only ever get like one year in jail anyway. Wow, Fajita guy's getting 50 years. Yeah. I think On that we'll, sad note. We'll stick to sports you've never heard of. <laughs> um, Next week, I don't know what we'll be doing. We got a lot of special episodes coming up. Yes, we might have more special guests than we have before. Because I think both seasons really had one guest towards the end. We're going to start bringing it up sooner. We're going to have a lot more people who've done it. Yes. Okay. What's my catchphrase? Should I have a new catch ending catchphrase for 2021? Other than Mm. the, we're still in the pandemic, so I can still do that. Yeah, but you could. You could stick with it. Unless you want to do like a new one each season zappadoo <laughs> zappadoo okay uh but yeah okay you've been listening to sports you've never heard of i'm jacob ellis and i'm trenton zito on radio DePaul sports the student voice of your DePaul blue demons what is my catchphrase i forgot uh, it's something... wear a mask wear a mask wash wear a mask wash your hands stay six fudging feet away from me or only a yo-yo's throw away. There we go. That's is it about six feet? Uh I mean, honestly, you can launch it however far or however not far you want. Okay, but that really is pushing the point. Stay a stay a Diablo away from me. However far Trenton can launch it, you gotta be that far away. Social distancing at its finest. Uh, you should be like social distancing police and start hitting people. Like, ah! then it will be banned just like it was in the streets of Paris long ago. (laughs) Okay. You always ruin my...